BWI Daily Edition. I love technology, Greg. Greg Pickle with me from Tampa, Florida. Two people on opposite sides of the country getting together to talk about Penn State football. That's what we're doing today. Greg is in Tampa following the program, following the team as they get ready for the Outback Bowl. I am technically, I guess, on vacation doing show live here from Utah. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for the time today. I know you've had a busy 24 hours since you touched down in Florida. T. Frank, it's good to be chatting with you. I hope you had a good holidays. Hope all the listeners had a good holidays and getting ready for a happy new year. But yeah, things are going as splendidly as could be at this point. So Penn State's chugging along despite some opt-outs and other things that uh, will change the way the Lions look. We just heard from James Franklin and Sam Pittman today, some Penn State players earlier in the week, and Anthony Poindexter. So yeah, things are rolling along here, but certainly there's no question that Many of the starring faces we saw throughout the regular season are not going to be playing in this game for Penn State, and Arkansas has a few as well. So as of recording, you just got out of the um, Bowl Media Press Conference with both head coaches. Uh, So what is the update on Rasheed Walker? Because that has been one thing I know fans have been following since the end of the regular season and some of the rumors and some of the images that have come out this week. Yeah, so he obviously, we haven't seen him at practice uh, so far this week, and then it comes out during this uh, just wrapped up press conference here at a hotel in Florida that Olu Fashanu is going to start at left tackle for Penn State, and James Franklin's talked about him before T. Frank this year as a guy that they were going to start at a previous point this season when Rasheed Walker was out. It turned out that Olu Fashanu also was injured at that point too, so Landon Tangwall was pressed into action. I thought he played pretty well, but Penn State deciding to go with Fashanu at this point while they try and get ready to, to go against an Arkansas defensive line that's without Trey Williams, its best defensive end. So that's not the worst thing in the world for Olu Fashanu. But yeah, I mean, there's clearly a belief within the Penn State program that he's an extremely talented offensive lineman who maybe just needed some time to get healthy and get onto the field. And now that he is, they feel good about what he's going to be able to do. My hesitation, though, is simply that unless he needed this whole last month to get healthy, you know, if he's so good that you're not, you know, they don't seem to be worried about not having Rasheed Walker. And look, I get it. You're not going to sit up there and say that you are. But at the same time, T. Frank, you know, as well as I do, that Penn State's offensive line could have used a boost throughout this season yeah. and shuffling some pieces around could have been a possibility. So we'll see how that works out. Again, they feel good about what they're going to get from him. But of course, there, there's no there's no other alternative. I mean, they're not going to sit there and say they feel bad about what they're going to get from him. So James Franklin claims he has a great week of practice. We'll see if that carries over to the field uh, come game day here in Tampa. I think it's really interesting and something that, that I said at the end of the season after the way James Franklin talked about Landon Tangwall, even in games where he played left tackle and played well, mm-hmm. he always had the caveat of we think he can play anywhere. And they always talked about Ola Fashanu this way. So it makes sense, I guess, reading the tea leaves that Fashanu would be the guy to get the start and Tangwall wall either will play in a rotation or will be somewhere else along the offensive line. So that is the update from how Penn State's offense and their offensive line is going to look. Uh, I'm super interested to see how they align everybody with their best case scenario, who plays where and who's rotating at what position, because in the bowl game, why not? Uh, That being said, with that idea in mind. What was said about the defensive side of the ball where there are a lot of young guys that have to step up, especially at linebacker? What did James Franklin have to say when asked about the defensive uh, players and potential starters? 
Yeah. So, I mean, obviously Penn State's in a pretty tough place right now. You know, not long before James Franklin stepped to the podium, Derek Tangelo announced his opt-out. I think it is important that we stop a second and note that just because these announcements go on to social media this week, today, earlier this week, over the holidays, what have you, doesn't mean Penn State's been up in State College or here in Tampa getting ready for this game. And those announcements come in and suddenly it blows the whole game plan up. You know, these things have been planned for, for whatever reason, These some of these guys are taking much longer to make these announcements than others, but in the end, Penn State's known about them for quite some time. Can so, I ask you? Can I stop uh, you right there? Yes. Yep. Is this a is this one of those tactic things like of Derek Tangelo announcing he's going to the NFL draft and they do it on Wednesday of the bowl game? Or are they expecting that? I don't know. Uh, Arkansas preparing for Jaquan Brisker, who announced earlier this week. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I okay. think all these coaches I hope are not. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think so. I, I think that you know all these coaches and programs are kind of aware of what the others are dealing with, and you know even if they were going to say, "Look, we'll sit back and wait, and maybe plan a little bit for if that guy plays or if that guy plays," I think that it was pretty clear now to anyone paying attention, which of course Arkansas staff would have been uh, for a couple of weeks now, that Penn State was going to have some opt outs and that they were probably going to trickle out over the course of a period of time. So, but yeah, to go back to your original question, I mean. Josiah Izzard, Devon Ellie is now going to be pressed into huge roles along the defensive line. I think you're going to have to see more of some other guys like a Fortorma Marble or a Fred Hansard or, I mean, Vanover. I mean, there's some guys down the depth chart that are going to have to play the defensive line, especially when you consider Jesse Luquette is going to slide back to linebacker in all likelihood. Jonathan Sutherland is going to come down and play there too. So Penn State is going to be mixing and matching here a lot. James Franklin saying not too long ago here that they're all going to have to burn some red shirts. He wouldn't say who there's only two obvious candidates here that would be Jamari Budin or and or uh, Kobe King both playing right. in four games already but a fifth uh, would go on their ledger if they play in the Outback Bowl which it seems like they're going to have to and because of that neither or whichever one plays would be able to redshirt which to me we've talked about it before I don't think it's the end of the world if there are guys that are good enough to play as true freshmen in five games they're going to probably be guys that are out of here in the NFL in four years in all likelihood. So uh, I think that it's not the end of the world for Penn state to have to do this. Do they want to do it? No, I'm sure they don't. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that if they were really worried about this, they would have left them both sit at three games T Frank. And I know that the Rutgers game and the flu and all that kind of threw everything out of whack, but, uh, and James Franklin even mentioned that today, but you know, if they really were worried about this, they would have managed it differently earlier in the year. I don't think anyone in that building was super shocked that Brandon Smith and Ellis Brooks both decided to head to the NFL. And, you know, we can sit here and debate as long as we want and forever whether or not those guys would have played if this was the Fiesta Bowl or another game that's not in the college football playoff rotation, and that's fine. But it doesn't change the fact that Penn State could have planned for this differently, I think. And the fact that it did not kind of tells you all you need to know. Yeah, and one of those games, I can't remember if it's King or Budden, they literally played one snap in the Rutgers game because of somebody had to come off the field and they had nobody else to play linebacker. So that was the situation that a couple of uh, that particular game put them in. Uh, I want to touch on two things you talked about. We'll get to Jesse Lucchetta in one second, but something that you and I have kind of, I think, come to uh, an agreement on separately, but I want to talk about now is the redshirt rule for these type of bowl games. 
What is your thought on how the NCAA should handle the red shirt when you have this situation of you don't have any linebackers if you're Penn State, you don't have some key players in the secondary or along the offensive line? How do you think that that should be handled in in, in bowl games? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I think the obvious answer that everybody would go toward is just not have the bowl game count towards the, uh, you know, the the number of games in which you, you know, either redshirt or don't redshirt. And I guess I can live with that to an extent, T. Frank, but at the same time, you know. You change, you know, there's a lot of rule changes going on in college football right now, and there's a lot of things that are different today than they were last year, or two years ago, or five years ago, or 10 years ago, or whatever. And I don't think you need to, I don't necessarily disagree with the idea of not having the bowl game count as one of the uh, four games in the opt out world that we now live in that is the new norm in college football. At the same time, I don't think you need to continuously keep building in. I guess what I'm getting at here is. You can solve this problem, but there's going to be another problem that pops up down the road that is similar to some extent. I mean, at some point, I think you you can't account for every uh, unexpected you know numbers problem a program might have, every recruiting miss that they had that means they got to move guys up to starting roles or key reserve roles sooner than expected. Development problems that lead to the same things. I mean, you can legislate so much. You know, James Franklin makes a good point. You know, there are a lot of guys in uh, previous time in college football who would go in for just a play. You mentioned one of Penn State's guys doing that. I mean, previously there were guys who had to go in just for one play and then they burned their red shirt. Now these guys get four. And, you know, I think that, Again, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't, you know, stand up on this desk here and yell till the hills if they did decide to make that change. At the same time, I just think that, you know, at some point you can't legislate every single possibility for every single roster across college football. Well, you're what six two, six three. I think if you're standing on the desk, you're gonna hit your head. So be careful. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> the the I just think that you've you've got to make these bowl games more interesting for fans. And if you have the ability to play more freshmen, why not? because you, you've got to market these games differently because they don't mean the same thing, win and loss, prestige, ACC versus Big Ten, Pac-12, all those things as they did in the yesteryear. We have more cross-conference right. play in the regular season anyway. So that being said, I, you know, I, I think it would be a positive thing, but you're right. If you want to have that, manage your, your snaps and your games differently so that you have those potential uh, players to play during the bowl game. Uh, you mentioned a couple minutes ago Jesse Lucetta playing potentially at linebacker this is what Anthony Poindexter had to say yesterday about him playing at several positions because Penn State needs him pretty much everywhere again Jesse a unique player we got to decide you know how much of each position we're going to give him but you know obviously he didn't play both of us this year Um, but again he a unique player he can do a lot of different things but you know obviously we in the Florida heat you know there's only so much you can do with him so just got to be smart with him that way but he'll be ready to play wherever we need him to play uh, from what you've seen at practice, and obviously it's a, a limited sample size over the last two days, what have you seen from where they've been using him initially? Yeah, I mean, it looks to me like it's probably going to be mostly linebacker for him and Jonathan Sutherland, but I just wouldn't read too much into that. Number one, as Nate usually discusses with you and David on here during the midweek 
game week practices, you know, we only see about 10 to 12 minutes of what's going on. And a lot of it's positional work, a lot of it's fundamentals, a lot of it's kind of just drilling home the everyday thing these guys need to do. So, you know, and you could make the argument. Now, James Franklin just sat here and said that Jonathan Sutherland's future is probably closer to the line of scrimmage. So I think you can probably feel pretty safe in the idea that he's going to play mostly, if not all linebacker in this game. I I just think that's what we're going to see. But with Luketa, I mean, you know, I think if you are going to have him in the middle of your defense, calling it, moving guys, etc., you're going to, of course, want to get him as much work as possible at that spot with, oh, by the way, an interim defensive coordinator, as you just heard from an Anthony Poindexter calling this game uh, for the first time at Penn State. So you're going to want to get him all the reps there. So, of course, most of the practice time and some of what we see is going to be at linebacker, but it doesn't mean he can't slide back down to defensive end at some point. In fact, I think we will. But as Poindexter alluded to, you know, you can't play him every single snap. You can try. It's going to be warm here. I mean, I just ran outside quick uh, before we started recording. It's humid. It's warm. I mean, it is going to be a game of guys needing to stay hydrated, and you're going to need bodies to come in and give guys a break or let them have time to just get a drink and get ready for the next series. So I think you'll see him play both. And Penn State has to decide too, T. Frank, and I'm sure you'll get into this at some point this week if you haven't already, but what are they going to do? They're going to roll mostly four-two-five, just hope for the best against right. this run-heavy Arkansas team, or are they going to stay more true to their four-three base without some of their best players that they run that with? Even, and even if the they best? run, even if they run a three-linebacker system, one of their linebackers now is a safety, so it's kind of a bad position. Uh, one of the things I want I want to comment on uh, that that is I understand that Jesse Lucetta has played both positions, about 100 snaps, just from what I showed you earlier during that graphic, at linebacker, the majority being a defensive end. But the problem is 58 snaps in coverage. That's where you don't want him. That's why he plays defensive end now primarily. And that's what you're going to get into with Arkansas and their play-action attack. He's going to be in at first down at uh, at middle linebacker, Mike linebacker, and if they run any sort of play-action or they they he's in single coverage for Penn State, like it's gonna get messy. You can, like mm-hmm. I think you have to be very careful with how you deploy him as a linebacker because you're going to put him in a position where he's not again he's not putting good tape on film for teams. Right. So you know that's just one of those things. I think situationally they're going to be really smart with him. Plus, as uh, somebody mentioned uh, on on uh, Tuesday. Penn State needs defensive ends as well. He's probably their most explosive pass rusher, even if the production wasn't there. What have you seen from that as far as who stood out to you during practice of guys that you've noticed maybe that have been bumped up the depth chart either there or in the secondary places we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, you know, again, one of the challenging things about practices, and you know, because you go to them, but, you know, the portion of it that Penn State lets us see is a lot of individual work. It's a lot of things where you might be able to draw, like Olu Fashano is a perfect example, okay? I mean, when the linemen were doing not one-on-one stuff, but doing more kind of like, you know, five guys in a row, five guys in a row, five guys in a row doing what, what footwork or sets, whatever you right. know it was, you know, Fashanu was up there and you could all, you could draw the conclusion and hmm, maybe he is going to start as James Frankel just confirmed, which still having a little bit of a hard time getting over the fact that he gave away a brand new starter in a press conference at a bowl game. But yeah, so uh, uh, I'm going to pull up some of these photos. It seems like he's having a pretty good time so far this week. So maybe he's just yeah. in a better mood than he has during the regular season. <laughs> 
Yeah. I also just don't think it matters, right? I mean, right. I look, I mean, at the end of the day, Arkansas, the game plan's a game plan to some extent. So I just think that, you know, I know he's not going to give away everything. He's not going to give away uh, too much. And he, you know, in hindsight, I would be willing to bet that if you ask him uh, in a moment of candor, he would probably say that he wouldn't do that again if given the opportunity uh, to answer that question in a different way. But at any rate, um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, but my, to back to my original point, you know, he was, so you could say, yeah, you know, he might be the one. Uh, you could also say that, you know, in those 12 minutes, maybe Rashid Walker was here. Maybe Landon Tangwall was there. Maybe this guy was over doing something else or had to go get his, his cleat tape back up. Or, you know, it's just you got to be careful not to draw too many conclusions from such a short window when, you know, a guy could be there the other 90 minutes of practice and for the 10 right. to 12 to 15, whatever it is that the media is there, a guy is in around. So, you know, obviously for Penn state, you know, the, with inside, I don't know. Inside's a mess. Cause we got to remember too. It's not just T it's not just Derek Tangelo. It's also PJ Mustafer who yep. would play in this game if he could, but he was injured. So they're down both defensive tackle starters. They have to move one defensive end starter to linebacker. They're down another defensive end starter. Nick Tar Burton's going to play of course, but I don't know. I mean, you you get as much out of Devon Ellis and and because uh, I Izzard as you can. I'm sure, we're going to see more of Amin Vanover. I'm sure we're going to see some more of Torma Malba again. Maybe Fred Hansard, but it's uh, I just can't figure out why this spread is still minus one and a half. I know it flipped over to Arkansas being favored, but I, I just don't know if people outside of the Outback Bowl slash Penn State community really can realize what Penn they're down five defensive starters they're shuffling guys around to fill out a two deep at this point at a number of positions I mean you know we can sit here and talk about who could step up who could not you know again we would expect to see Kobe King play Jamari Budin at linebacker I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of Kalen King in the secondary I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of Jalen Reed at safety so, so let, let me let me rephrase yeah. the question then who are you interested in seeing either on the offensive or defensive side of the ball that you expect is going to see more playing time that could have an effect on 2022 because that's what fans want out of this game. I think more than anything is to know good or bad who's behind the starters because at, at, at this point, it's more about avoiding a loss than getting a win. It seems when it comes to this game yes. and then it's uh, who's going to be good. Who's going to be a factor next season. So who are the guys top of your mind? If they are maybe some of the guys you just mentioned the either offensive or defensive players you're interested in. Yeah, Jalen Reed's one, no question, the safety. And I think that Penn State has been very clear about the fact that they were okay with playing him over the redshirt threshold because they just felt like he could help them in a lot of different ways, especially on special teams. So that's one. Kalen King obviously has pl received plenty of snaps over the last handful of weeks, but we're going to see as much of him, I think, as we have uh, at any point this season in the Outback Bowl. So he's another. You know, I just want to watch the defensive line in general. And, and, and you know, I could pick you out a couple of guys, T. Frank, but, you know, it They've been so, I think for good reason, not all that interested in uh, in rotating really deep at that position for yeah. large parts of the game. Well, they're going to have to now. There's just no way around it. So that'll be another one I'm keeping a very close eye on is the defensive line just in general. And then King and Buddha in the, in the linebacker spot and Tyler Elston as well. Very curious to see what those guys do get do with more snaps. And, you know, when you talk about looking ahead, there's not it's not the worst thing in the world that you're going to be facing a pretty run heavy attack. Because guess what? A lot of those young guys are going to see some things they've never seen before that they'll see in Big Ten play next year uh, should they be on the field when that time rolls around.
Yeah. So one other thing that came up this week that I want to touch on, speaking of 2022, Joey Porter Jr. announced on, I think it was Christmas Day, giving everyone a nice article to write on Christmas Day, uh, that he was coming back for the 2022 season. Um, Here is something he said about what happened at the end of the year uh, that affected his play down the stretch in terms of pass interference. You know, I feel like... I feel like it was really me being physical. I'm a physical corner. I like to be physical. I like to take out the number one wide receiver. So um, with just me being physical, I feel like they were trying to play with me, not play with me. I feel like I had stuff to pick up myself. There were definitely calls where I feel like I had to clean those up. But there was also calls where I feel like they called it because of my name and what I've done previous games. And those started just to pile up. But I definitely took those into, into consideration and try to work on myself you know, to, to better myself next year. If you want to check out both Anthony Poindexter and Joey Porter Jr., they're live on our YouTube channel. If you're listening on podcast, make sure you flip over there. You check those out. If you're watching here on YouTube, you can check those out after the video. So what did Joey Porter Jr. say to you and to everyone uh, who was there about what his goals are for 2022 and what he wants to work on to get to those goals? Yeah, I mean, I just think, T. Frank, the one thing that I left that interview feeling pretty confident about is that, number one, he did give serious consideration to moving on to the next level and possibly being a guy who, you know, could play in uh, the NFL. He has a dream to play in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, I think he realizes there's some areas his game can improve in. And, you know, he's very physical. He's very long. That's great. But I think he probably realizes that some of the issues he runs into or because of physicality, but some of it's just technique based in areas that need to be cleaned up, whether it's with footwork, whether it's with hand usage, whatever. Um, and so, you know, I really do think he gave this a lot of thought and a lot of hard consideration about maybe leaving. But, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is that Joey Porter Jr. got advice from James Franklin, from Terry Smith, from other people in this program, around this program. I'm sure his dad obviously has plenty of connections that could offer some insight into this. And he got all the feedback and decided to stay and hoped uh, he hopes to come back and be uh, the best corner in the country next year. And he has some work to do to be that guy. But, you know, he was popping up on draft boards this year. So I don't think he's super far away from that. And for Penn State fans, they should be excited to get him back uh, for next season and uh, obviously the Outback Bowl, too. Having uh, one of the best cornerbacks in the nation is a huge benefit to your defense. And from your uh, professional opinion, do you think he can get there? Yes. Yeah, I do. I mean, again, I think that some of the issues he's run into, and and maybe it is a little bit because he's so physical and he's always been able to play the game that way. And there's not as much finesse or touch or whatever you want to call it in the way he plays right now. But I think if he can add that into his game, that's that's a pretty good way for him to take the next step and really move forward uh, as a, you know, as a corner and as a guy who Penn State's going to have to rely on in the secondary next year. You know, I know we all go into next year thinking that Jair Brown's going to be the leader of the secondary and he will be, but Joey Porter should be too from the corner spot. Yeah. And with some, some things getting cleaned up and a little bit of step forward here, I do think that that he's a guy that can do that. Absolutely. Uh, any last thoughts, any last uh, news or notes you want to share before we get out of here? You've been there. I imagine it's been just one thing after another. So is there anything we missed that you want to mention today? No, not at this point. I would just say to the many fans out there who are disappointed in how things have kind of played out here with the opt-outs and they don't feel like Penn State has a great chance and they don't feel like watching the game anymore, I would just say this. Um, every I know Penn State fans and fans of any team everywhere watch their team because they want them to win. 
And maybe Penn State can win this game still, but you know, you're getting an early blue white game preview here, yep. except it's actually in a game. It's actually against another opponent. And I think we'll learn a lot about where things can go for this team next year. You don't want to take too much out of just one game, but my advice would just be to sit back, relax, enjoy it, realize that what Penn State doesn't have on the field is going to make it extremely difficult for it to beat Arkansas, but they're down some key guys too. And who knows? Maybe some of these young guys will end up doing things that we wouldn't have expected them to do, and it could lead Penn State to victory. Yeah, and it's New Year's Day, so have your pork and sauerkraut sit down on the couch and enjoy the game. Are you are you a Pennsylvania Dutch guy with the pork and sauerkraut? Yes. All right. Well, that's that'll do it then. Although you're in Florida, hopefully they have it for you in the press box. <laughs> I'm a storage blooming onions and whatever else Outback throws around during their uh, during their bowl game, but we'll see. Well, I'll have an extra helping for you. Uh, that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Greg, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts from Tampa. All right. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, T. Frank. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated, bwi.bluewhiteillustrated.com. Uh, and uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can check out the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition, the recruiting podcast that Greg does with Ryan Snyder, among other things that we're doing. And of course, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for just $1 and you can get 12 months of access. We'll be giving you all of that information coming from Tampa. He's got it all locked in. Uh, for bluewhiteillustrated.com. For the BWI Daily Edition, I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow.